Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing from Los Angeles in the city of angels and usually from New York as well. But my co-host Adrian Kuberg is unable to make it this week. So it's just me. So welcome to all my listeners out there, Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live and on demand on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks. Uh, 26 to be exact, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, and a whole bunch more. And in fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Susan Lacks here in LA, we, we call that LAX. <laughs> <laughs> Susan Lacks, here in L.A., we would call that L.A.X., <laughs> earned a teaching degree in creative drama from the Kibbutzum College of Education, Technology, and the Arts in Israel. She taught creative drama at a local elementary school and continued her studies at... <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say all that. You can say all that. I'm not Jewish, but I am Syrian, so we're very close. We're neighbors, practically. But not before, practically, totally. Totally, yes. <laughs> but before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, How to Understand Your Own Needs, Chris Shaver and the Couples Whisperer. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global audio and video platforms that I mentioned earlier. Well, Susan, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We are so excited to have you on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you and all your listeners. Yeah, I'm so sorry you couldn't get to meet Adrian. Uh, I, have you met her before? Uh, when we no. Met? Okay. No. She's she moved and she's got so many irons in the fire that it's uh, she's probably here about half the time now. So, anyway, I always like to ask my guests just who is Susan Lacks, and why was she placed on this earth? There you go. Okay. So I'll share with you. Susan Lacks actually started out as Susan Kleiman and um, became Susan Lacks after I got married. So I, when I hear that question, I like to say that Susan Lacks actually started in 1978. <laughs> as, long <laughs> but there as, was as long as the name didn't make you Lacks, you're fine. Oh, how many lax jokes do you think you're going to put in there? <laughs> as many times have I lost my luggage at that airport. <laughs> oh, that's a so, lot. So, yeah. So, um, I like to refer myself, refer to myself as Susan, and um, because I've always been Susan. Well, we'll just call and, you Susan. Correct. Um, so, Susan was put on this earth for the same reason all of us all of the people that are listening and all the people that you know were put on this earth. And there are so many reasons why, but I don't stay in the question why in the answer, I stay in the question. And I stay in the question, 
why was I put here? And I love saying, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. And every day, there's another reason. There's not just one reason. And this conversation that we're having right now, for me, will never happen exactly the same way. So that's another reason I was put on this earth, to meet you, to talk to you and to your listeners. Oh, I like that very much. So you have a new book out, yes? I do. I do. A Heart's Landscape. What a coincidence. I have a new book out too, but this is your show, so we'll talk about your book. <laughs> well, I can interview you too, if you'd like. Yeah, okay. We can do that. <laughs> so tell me about A Heart's Landscape. Where did you get the title from? And what is the purpose of your book and who are you trying to reach? And what do you want them to walk away with? That's a, those are a lot of questions. A lot of questions, but I love it. So I'm a spiritual counselor. Okay. And I work um, mostly with people that are touched by chronic illness. Mm. And I also um, help families and people, well, help families help those that are exiting this world. Ah. So that's a lot of what I do. And on top of that, I'm also an author. And about 13 years ago, um, a dear friend of mine was touched by cancer. And she had said, I don't want anyone asking me, let's not talk about it. I need to do this on my own. But I didn't want to lose that bond. I didn't want to lose that relationship. It was important to me. So I started writing her an email. Every morning I would get up at six because I knew that's when she was going for treatment and she was an early riser. Mm -hmm. And in the email, I would just talk about moments, not about cancer, not about illness, because it was really important for me that she knew that I viewed her as the person she is, not the illness that now has touched her. Yes. Um, and I wrote to her in the first email. I said, you do not have to answer this. And if you want me to stop sending them, just say no more emails and we'll never talk about it again. And I never heard about them. So I just continued to write them. And I had talked to her about other things. And then approximately about five or six months into it, I got the flu. And I didn't get up to write. And at 7.30, the phone rang. And I immediately recognized her voice. Susan, where's my morning blessing? Mm -hmm. And I think at that moment, the, the importance of reaching out in any possible shape or form to someone was so powerful mm. and it was through words that I didn't even realize were inspiring. I just really was just hoping that there was a moment, 30 seconds, 60 seconds of just having the rest of the world that's out there and not just the illness that you're in touch you because the belief is for me is that one moment of joy, one moment of just heart awareness can possibly affect the moments that come after that. Mm. And once the moments after that can possibly be just a little lighter, perhaps our day can be a little lighter, no matter how hard the challenges are. And at the time I was working with women that were post and pre mastectomies. And I told them the story innocently and they said, why are we not getting this? Really? 
<laughs> so I started sending it to them and it grew and it's all over the world. And I don't know most of the people that are on this, you know, you sign up, it's free. And I have people that have been reading it for 13 years and people that just join and sometimes people leave and come back and it's this wonderful connection. And I get to know people through this wow. and all the years people would say to me, Susan, why don't you put them in a book? And I'd say, eh, they, it reaches who it's supposed to reach. I'm not marketing anything. You know, I believe things reach our heart in the universe when we open them, right? We open our heart, all kinds of things come there. And then COVID hit. And we had lockdown. And I was like, hey, let me try this. And I wrote the book. <laughs> and I became a photographer about five years ago because I wanted inspiration from nature. I love nature. And um, so I put some of my photos together and I had to choose from 3,684 morning inspirations, wow. about 176. And that well, there's was always volume two, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes, I know. I've heard that <laughs> a lot. But I always say, don't ask a woman who just gave birth when she's going to have her second child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> and so my intent with this book is that it will reach people around the world um, just for a moment for themselves. There's no beginning and there's no ending to this. It really is. You open it and wherever it finds you and you find it, that's really what your heart was supposed to hear and hoping it'll just give a moment, one moment of heart awareness, heart attentiveness, and maybe shape the moment after it better than it was shaped before. Wow. Beautiful. So I want you to give me a sample 30 second blessing so that I can get a feel and a flavor as to how you've been blessing the world. So I, I really in, uh, in the back of your mind somewhere. So I can, I won't open my book um, because, and I don't really even call them blessings. That was how my friend called I them, see. you know, because I think we all bless people sure. without even knowing it. Well, right? What do you call we them? Do you know. have a name for it? I do. They're called morning inspirations. Okay. I like that. And um, they're sent out three times a week. And um so actually, you know what? I will read you one for my book because I think I, you know, that I didn't just pick one me, out. Huh? Yeah, I will just now. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that. Um, I just feel that there's something that I, I and I'm just opening the book. So uh, you're without, intuitive as well. Well, we'll see once you hear this. Um, there is an immensity about the morning. It shows up. It is the beginning, appearing over and over again, standing tall with all its possibilities. The morning holds a pearl of wisdom, so great and clear. It shows up every day of our lives, hoping we will take it for all it offers, no matter how hard the prior day seemed, how difficult the struggle can be the morning shows up, the sun rises, the moon disappears. It's universal. 
it shows up. It lives as if it were the whole world. Perhaps the lesson to be learned is that one must care for her soul as if she too were the whole world. Oh my God, that was beautiful. Thank you. I'm so inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Does that, how long does it take you to come up with an inspiration like that? Does it just roll off your tongue or you, no. you study no. all night and, and you write it down? No. I mean, how does it come? No. So I can, <laughs> no, 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 no. So <laughs> I, um, that reminds me, I'll, uh, you know, um, my partner in life and love always said to me, are you, are you writing your morning inspiration now? We have to leave. And I was like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Um, I meditate every day. I, you know, there are days I miss, um, but it's really my heart awareness of the beauty of people, of the human spirit and, and nature. And it's taking the time to not be an automatic pilot. You know, we, we go through everything like this. We got to go here. We gotta, and it's really, okay, I'm going to stop and actually observe this piece, beautiful picture that nature gave me. Or I'm actually going to listen to this person who's talking to me, not ready to answer, but actually be there, listen with all of me. Because every person I meet is a teacher. Every person. Sure. Their story is full of wisdom and lessons that no school can teach. And I think that a lot of it is after my meetings with people or observing people or talking to the person on the street who lives on my corner every time I pass him, or if it's um, going to peace rallies, or if it's, 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 it's meeting up with people that are different with me, or it's just listening to my heart in a moment of stillness but it takes time and I write it and I erase and I write it until it sits in its perfect place within the frame of my soul oh my gosh you're such a poet <laughs> <laughs> and you know it so tell me about your 50th birthday you write about that in the beginning of the book oh my god that was so long now uh <laughs> I can't even believe you're 50 I mean really well, I'm a, a very proud 63-year-old, and I have five grandchildren, and they are part of big part of my inspiration as well. You don't but, look like a grandma. Oh, thank you. I, well, not thank you. I love being a grandma, so whatever that means to look like one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think when I was turning 50, I came to a part in my life where I had done so many things. You know, I had um, got married quite early. I had become a mother quite early. I had moved to the United States and had to find work five jobs to figure out how exactly we were going to support our family. Um, I had learned to be a teacher. I um, living on kibbutz. I had worked every possible job there. And um, then in the States, I was a mother and then I started a business. I'm also co-owner of Neot Shoes, which is an uh, international uh, footwear company 
that are made on the um, Lebanese border uh-huh. um, in Israel, and they are shoes of peace. Wow. And um, they bring comfort to the sole of your foot and the sole of your heart. Wow. And um, check them out. And um, uh, yes. And um, I, I, I was, wait, something else is happening here. Where I, there's this person named Susan, not Susan Lax, but there's this person, Susan, and she's calling me and she's saying, wait. And so I said to Stephen for my 50th, I wanted to jump on the bed with my female friends and just say, yay, we're here. And so he surprised me and he sent me um, to there and my girlfriends met me and we spent a week in Santorini in a villa uh, with the most intimate uh, time I have ever spent with other females when it wasn't uh, for a child or another reason except for ourselves. Uh And I think it was there that I said, I've lived more than half my life at this point. I better do something that's just mine for the rest of it. And um, I went back to school to study spirituality and to study um, all those things that I studied. And uh, this is what came out of it. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> How many times am I going to say wow today? <laughs> well, <clears throat> let's talk about your book's guidance and encouraging readers to be present in the moment. Don't they call that mindfulness? So, yes, they. They. they those people that call them mindfulness. So something funny about that. You know, I guess when I started practicing, and I'll call it mindfulness, or attentiveness, heart attentiveness, or heart awareness, I thought mindfulness means that your mind is full. Isn't mindfulness about having your mind empty out and just be? And I was like, why don't they call it mind emptiness? <laughs> Mindlessness. Mind, right, you know. But um, so when I teach meditation, um, I, I, mostly for people that are in chronic illness or caregivers or people that are facing the end of life, it's really, let's just be where we are right now Mm -hmm. because there's something in where we are right now that can bring a smile to our heart. And for those that can't necessarily smile because of physical restrictions, I share with them how to go through that, that it's somewhere, I promise them, I will see their smile. And I'm sure you know this, but Jesus said, you know, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about what they're going to wear. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't worry about what they're going to eat. Right. That's right. A hundred percent. Sounds like him and you are on the same track. Oh, we probably met. (laughs) (laughs) Same nationality. Yeah, exactly. So worry is, is something Mm. that, comes to us but if we think what has worry ever done for us nothing 95 percent of the things i worry about never come to pass all that wasted energy and time and money right so so the exactly what you said it's you know every moment we have is that only moment we never get it back again so if we can practice uh and it's really about practicing how important a moment is for us, then we can say, you know what? 
I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now. I'm going to open a heart's landscape in my case, this book. And I'm just going to take that moment for myself. And whatever happens, happens. Or if I'm walking and I see a flower and I want to stop, I will stop. You know, I noticed today I was walking on the Upper West Side and um, I had an appointment and I had to come back to my apartment and my pace was a little too fast. And I said, whoa, Mm -hmm. heart awareness time. You're acting like a New Yorker. You're acting like a New Yorker. And I had to, to stop. I had to take and just say, take a deep breath and pay attention to your steps. And as I did that, I saw a beautiful sight. I saw two people hugging that obviously had not seen each other for I don't know how long and tears. And it was a moment that I wanted to take my, my photo because you couldn't see their faces. And then I said, no, that is their sacred moment. I will not disturb it. And I keep thinking about that as I'm talking to you, thinking what was their story? That they were so happy. The joy was just all around them. And if I hadn't stopped taking those steps, I would have never noticed that. Wow. You're just giving me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> the goosey, as they say. Oh, you've got them already, I'm sure. <laughs> so how do we find joy and why? Why do we need joy? Why do we want joy? I mean, um, thrills, I think people are seeking thrills, but thrills feel good. You know, it's a roller coaster ride or you jump out of the airplane or you you use the the bungee cord, but then it's gone. But I found that joy lasts. What's your experience with joy? So I tend to shy away from the, how do you find joy? Mm. Because I believe joy is an emotion and it lives within us. Um, Just like sadness. And it's really up to us to invite it into our moment. It's on us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not on anyone else. Someone else can give us the message, oh, tap into your joy, but it's on us. So we, I, it, I don't think joy that we is can our find, responsibility. Yes. And I don't think that one can find joy on a shelf someplace <laughs> or in a, in, a, in a flower someplace. A flower may help us tap into our joy. Mm-hmm. And the difference between joy and a roller coaster. So I will share a story. I was just at Disney World with my grandchildren. And uh, four of them were there. The youngest is too young. And I don't do roller coasters. Just don't do them. That's, that's me. I do a lot of other things, not roller coasters. <laughs> and my grandson, my two older uh, grandchildren love roller coasters. And they kept saying, Safta in Hebrew, they would call me and they would say, come on a roller coaster. We're going on. A-. And I'd say, no, I'll wait for you. I'll go on the little other rides. And my grandson was having a hard moment. And I said to him, what is it that makes you joyful? And he looked at me and he went like this. And I said, well, just think, where did you feel joy? Not where did you find joy? And he's seven, almost eight. And then he drew me a roller coaster. And he said, hmm, that was joyful. 
And then he told me about five other things that helped him tap into his joy. And I thought to myself, wouldn't that be a great lesson in school? That, and he said, I want to write. I want to draw all the places that joy comes, that I find this joy. And so I think the thrill of the roller coaster is a thrill, exactly like you said. And it evokes the joy in us to say, hi, I'm here. Or the fear in us, hi, I'm here. But I think there are so many different opportunities for joy to be, you know, to, to say, here I am. Uh-huh. So many. Wow. Um, how about relationships? Uh, should we expect another person to give us joy? Again, it's not about giving it to us. Another person can evoke the joy within us to say, let me out, can, mm. can help us be on the invitation to joy. Mm. But I'm in belief that it's everything is on us. We, you asked me at the beginning, why are we here? Why am I here on this earth? Mm. And I think if anything, the one sentence, there are many reasons that can bring them all together is to make this world a better place. Yeah, that's is to make this world a better place. And for me to think that someone else will bring me joy, then I'm also saying it's up to them to make the world a better place. Yeah. And it, 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 I believe that my joy is on me. Now, you were a caregiver or your audience here is caregivers. Uh, tell them how you became a caregiver and did it all work out? <laughs> Well, what does that mean? Did it all work out? I'm going to give that question back to you. That means that you suffer burnout. Did you go through excruciating pain, suffering, grief? And uh, do you have the scars to show it? Or did you fare well through that experience? So, you know, we go uh, in Hebrew, we say, that means like this, like this. Right. I don't know if there's a word in, in English that I can ever find. You know, I'm sure. Sarah, Sarah. OK, well, my father was Cuban and he used to say that all the time. <laughs> what will be will be. But um, I think there were moments uh, that will always stay with me and will always bring that 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 emotion of heart pain. Where. Um, it was, I wasn't ready to let go and we had to let go and wasn't up to me and wondering how she's doing mm. wherever she is. How long, how long were you a caregiver? You know, and so, um, you know, I'm the caregiver, I, I work with end of life. And so the caregiver is I'm not there all the time. You know, I'm not the one that's, changing the bed and I'm not aware that, you know, I'm the one that guides the family. I'm the one that sits there and makes sure that there is the person exits the way they want to exit this world. And I, and really not so much about arrangements, but really what, how do you, how do you want this exit to be? You know, we work on the entrance of 
babies coming into this world yeah. for hours, for days, for months. We prepare, we buy. But what do we prepare? How to bring this soul into the next, yeah. wherever they're going. You're and so you're describing hospice. At least that's what hospice should be doing. <laughs> okay. That's another conversation. So it's really spiritual care. And it really is about, would you like music? Shall we, what is it you'd like to do before you exit? So I love to give two, two wonderful um, examples that stay with me. I was working with this woman who was a very young mother. She was uh, 33 and she had a two and a half year old uh, daughter. And uh, she was at the last stages of her life here on earth. And one of her fears were that her two and a half year old daughter would not remember her. Mm. And I first said to her, you're memorable. There's no way anyone could forget this wonderful soul that you are. And I said to her, she said, well, I, I can't really write to her because she at this time in her life, she didn't read. I want it to be about something that I was here. So I said, but she draws. She does arts and crafts with you. And she said, yes. So in her hardship, I helped her. And we made this arts and crafts drawing book, telling the story of who she is through pictures. Mm. And, um, and then we gave it to her, her, her daughter. And said to her, even though she was two and a half, said, and she was able to have that, that gift of giving something of her. And I helped her do that. Ooh. And I sat and read from the Quran with people because that's what brought them joy. That's, and, you know, I've read from the Torah. I've, I've, I've read from the Quran. I've held rosary beads. I've sang in Yiddish, which was terrible. I've, you know, I've talked about places. It's really, what is it? And then the same thing with the family. What is it you would like at this moment? This is it. This is the moment. And it's, you know, sometimes I think that people go, I don't know, I don't know. And then when I make it, but you know, think of it at that, it's a sacred moment. It is a gift. If this was not happening, you wouldn't take this moment. And it's a different way of looking at it. So I was going to ask you, have you introduced people to God? To? God. No. No. That's not on me. That's they, not on me. Do they ever ask you? They do. They do. And you say? They do. <laughs> yeah, you are sneaky. Um <laughs> <laughs> So um, I've been asked, do I believe in God? And do I find God? And I said, I believe so strongly that there is a power much bigger than me. I tend not to name it. I tend to say there's just a power so much larger and bigger than me. And it comes to me in all shapes and forms. And there are things that I have learned from my roots that stay deep with me. Um, and I learned from other religions. So I believe that we're all from the same human spirit. I really, really do. And it's taken different roads and perhaps different, 
different translations, but in the end of the day, the spirit that lives within us is human. And this power that is larger than us reminds me that, you know, hope is born every day again, every morning, every morning, hope is born again. And, um, you know, as people say to me, how can you say that when someone is leaving this world? Because there's a moment of hope. If I can, I have hope that this moment can be a good one. That's all that matters. Yeah. Especially with the dementia, you know, many times <clears throat> there's only a moment that you have with a person where they come back and they're there, you know, like that scene in uh, uh, the, the notebook, you know, she was, let's get out of here. Let's go dancing. Let's go driving. And then she was gone. Who are you? What are you doing in my room? Get away from me. You right, know? Right, and, right. And we have to learn to enjoy the moments because they literally have moments. <laughs> They literally do. And I've seen that many times. And I think that, you know, um, joining in in those moments with them is the best gift we can give them. Yeah. Is the best gift. And if it's gone, don't try to bring it back. Just enjoy. Be grateful that you had that moment, that you shared a laugh, that you shared a cry, that you shared a smile, you know. Yeah. And, you know, Moments never come back, no matter what. They're here and then they're gone, right? So in any situation, you know, and I think when you talk about dementia, even those situations, even if someone constantly says, how are you? How have you been today? I join in in that. Even if they say it 10 times, you know, I can share a story. My mother-in-law had quite bad dementia at the end of her life. And um, we'd come to visit her and I took a lot of good care of her and she took care of me in those moments. I love to say that. And um, she would say, how are you? It's so wonderful to see you. And I would say, oh, it's so wonderful to see you. About 30 seconds would go by. So wonderful to see you. And I would think nobody in the world is so happy to see me so often. (laughs) 10 second Tom. (laughs) All right. So um, last thing I want to talk about is burnout and caregivers will burn out because they don't put their needs first. They don't put their oxygen mask on first. Um, What bit of a, what bit of advice would you give a caregiver to encourage them that it's okay to be what they would consider selfish and to take care of their needs before they take care of their loved ones needs. All right. Thank you for that question because I think it's of great importance. You know, sometimes, somewhere, society taught us that um, taking care of our needs is a selfish deed, right? Somewhere. I don't know where that happened. Mothers, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. And definitely. Jewish mothers. (laughs) (laughs) And definitely, well, I have to tell you, I do a lot of work with Muslim mothers as well. And I have to tell you, we, we all join in the same, <laughs> same thing. Um, but I think that um, it is really the knowledge that without nurturing our own soul, without nurturing it, what we're giving someone else is 30%. If we can try to teach ourselves that, 
that we don't have to take hours of nurturing our soul. In my, I, people say, I don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes. Take three minutes. Mm-hmm. Take a minute. You know, it's like brushing your teeth. Just breathe for a second and just say something to yourself. Say something. I, every day I wake up and one of the first things I think of and I say it out loud is something that will evoke joy in me today. Wow. That's it. Awesome. And it's okay to be burnt out. It's just a reminder to our soul that we have to add what I call soul gas. If we own a car, and we didn't give it gasoline or electricity, it wouldn't go. Why do we take care of our cars better than our souls? Yeah. Well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And how can can listeners reach you or ask questions, buy your book or whatever? So, or whatever. So you can find out about me on susanplax.com. And you can find out how to buy my book, how to sign up for Morning Inspiration or workshops or private. And that's free, right? Yes, the Morning Inspiration is absolutely free. And and the book can be bought everywhere where books are sold. How do you make a living if everything is free? Well, the books aren't free. (laughs) And my sessions aren't free. Very good. Very good. But so if uh, someone yeah. may want a session with you, how do they do that? They just have to uh, contact me via my website. They Great. can e- or email me at susanlax at gmail.com. Very good. And I want everyone to remember that all our live shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on your favorite platform. And you can purchase my newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock. Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times, a great book that's changing lives all over the world. I would encourage you to read it because I'm certainly mm-hmm. going to read your book. Yeah. Available wherever you. books are sold and my website, caregiverdave.com, which is a free membership support community with lots of tools, resources, free gifts. And check out my Facebook page, Caregiver Dave, a community of 34,000 caregivers. And make sure you click her, uh, the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this on. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So thank you again to my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. And thank you so much, Susan, for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Who am I? My name is David. I've had the privilege of being Charlene's husband since 1975. We had a wonderful, fairy tale, storybook-like courtship that culminated in our marriage a year later. Charlene had just come out of a marriage where after 10 years, she received two black eyes and a broken nose by her former husband when he came home high on speed. Charlene believed in no second chances of any kind for abuse, so she left. Finding herself all alone in the world with her 5- and 10-year-old daughters, Cynthia Lorraine and Deborah Lynn, she started raising them by herself for the next two years. Then fate brought us all together. 
After falling in love with Charlene, Cindy, and Debbie, our love then produced Rebecca Elizabeth. We had a wonderful, normal life for the next 20 years. But today, things are very different for everyone. How about the reaction of nine-time Grammy and Dove Award recipient, the godfather of contemporary gospel Christian music, Andre Crouch? Charlene just won't let the promises of God go, and she has not let her circumstances get in the way of her faith. She's not just a survivor, she's more than a conqueror, as the Bible states. You'll be encouraged by her testimony, regardless of what you're going through. Available everywhere. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh. 